Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, as you saw on screen, my name is Mariah. No, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I am not Pastor Darian. He did not just happen to get way cuter overnight. We're just different people, okay? No, but if you do not know who I am, my name is Mariah. I have the privilege of overseeing the creative department in the college here at the church. Um, it's, a, it's amazing. I love working here. It's so much fun. Um, but if you don't know actually who I am, you're like, okay, cool. Your name's Mariah. Well, I have a few facts for you. Are you ready? Um, I am married, happily married to the man behind, well, I guess he's not behind me anymore. That's awkward. Okay, I'm happily married to the drummer, the man who was drumming today. Um, our five-year anniversary is coming up in just a few months. So exciting. Yes. We will no longer be newlyweds, but we will still act like newlyweds because, yes, I absolutely adore him. If you work with me, you just know that you're going to hear me talk about my husband all the time because he's just the best. He's the greatest. Um, he thinks I'm perfect too, you know, so, so it goes both ways. Anyways, um, but if you know my husband and me, then you know that he's actually, he's the funny one, so he's been up here a few times, um, or if you maybe heard, it, um, heard him in conversation, you know that Nathan is actually the funny guy, but I have a secret for you guys, okay, are you ready? I'm actually the funny one of the relationship. <laughs> So I hear you guys laughing at his jokes all the time, but I just thought I should remind you that you're supposed to laugh at my jokes too. I have to keep reminding people because I feel like they keep laughing at his jokes more than mine, you know, but I just want you to know that somewhere someone thinks my jokes are funny. So if you hear a joke today, even if it doesn't make sense to you, the answer is to laugh. Okay, ready? G great job. You could have done better, but it's okay. Um, uh, but we are in our Young Gun series, and so Pastor Darian has um, entrusted some of us youngins. Did you, you see what I did there? Some of the youngins. Look, see, that was a, see? Look, he's laughing on cue. Okay. Um, he has entrusted <laughs> some of us youngins, uh, young guns, um, to speak for him because, as you saw, a pastor's on sabbatical, somewhere sleeping, you know, I'm sure he's asleep right now. No, um, but for real, Pastor Darian has entrusted us to speak, to bring the word. It is such an honor. I love it so much. Okay, and can we just give it up for our pastors? Can we honor them? Give them a round of applause. It is so exciting. Yes. It is just so exciting that our pastors, honestly, that they take off every summer. Once a year, they, they take off for a month because they want to stay refreshed for you guys. They want to love ministry more at the end of their life than they did at the beginning, right? Um, so I think it's just so cool that they are, they're out, they're having fun with each other, loving each other, all that stuff. It's so much fun. But as I said, we are in our Young Gun series and our theme this year, I have a dry mouth. I'm so sorry. You're going to hear me do this a lot. I hate mouth noises. Can I just tell you, when people do that in the microphone, I hate it. So I'm so sorry. Okay. I got you. Okay. Okay. So today, we're in a Young Gun series. As you've heard me say five times, you see it on the screen. I don't need to repeat it again. But our theme for this year is hear, believe, and obey. So that is hearing the voice of God. That is believing his word, believing what he says to us, and that is obeying, that is follow th following through with what the Lord has told us. But today, I will be speaking more on the obey part. But before we get into it, I thought it'd be fun to show you a picture of actually the first time that I ever spoke. Here it is. Uh, that was the first time I ever preached. It was 11 years ago. I was 16, and I was so bad at it that they didn't let me up here again for over 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you see my bangs, okay. Well, I, have another, I brought another photo for you just so you can see how bad my hair was. Oh, look at that. I don't know why I ever thought that was a good look. Um, it was a bad look 10 years ago, too. You can't blame time, right? Um, I'm really glad, though, that I met my husband after that hairstyle because he really hates bangs. So if, if I wouldn't have grown out my bangs, then he may have never married me. <laughs> right? But no, I am no, um, I'm no master expert preacher. I'm also no master um, mic holder. I'm so sorry, production. They're going to be doing a lot of this today. Okay, um, but what I do love is I love the Word of God. 
I love my Bible, and we have a lot of scripture today, but it is going to be so much fun. Let's pray. Father, I am just so honored that you would give me the privilege of speaking to your people. These are your people, God. These are not our people. These are yours. So, Father, I thank you that you are preparing their hearts right now, that they are ready to hear from you. They are ready to hear your word. Father, I pray that these words are not my own, that they are yours in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I just did that because I needed some feedback, you know what I mean? (laughs) Anyways, so our story starts out in Numbers 13. And if you're unfamiliar, oh, this is not very straight. I'm a perfectionist, guys. Okay, there we go. Um, Little OCD there. Okay, so our story starts out in Numbers 13. If you're unfamiliar, it starts out with the Israelites. And the Israelites, for a backstory, they have been in slavery for 400 years. That is a long time. That's a lot of generations to feel like they're not getting out, right? Well, then God raises up this leader named Moses. And so he goes to Pharaoh and he's like, let my people go. And I just think that's really fun to say. So that's, that's the only reason I said that. <laughs> but then, uh, so, you know, Pharaoh doesn't really let the people go, right? Well, then God sends a bunch of plagues, does a bunch of really cool stuff. My favorite thing that God did was actually he sent a plague. He sent millions, I'm talking millions, maybe billions of frogs to Egypt And then he killed all of the frogs just so the Egyptians had to clean them up. Now, that is next level. You can't tell me that God does not have a sense of humor, okay? The one that we all, Red Sea is like a tiny ocean that he split open just so they could walk across on dry land. Um, I think that one's really cool. And then I think maybe even the coolest one is that God had a, because they were in the wilderness, maps didn't exist back then, right? So God had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that they would follow. That's how they were directed. And I'm like, forget the iPhone 14. Get out of here, Verizon, okay? I want the pillar of fire that's going to guide me around, right? So we pick up the story when these, when the Israelites are kind of in this holding zone. So God had promised them um, all the way back to Abraham. So generations ago that they would Um, live in the promised land, like God would give them this good and amazing gift. But right now they're in the wilderness, so they're out of slavery. They're one step closer to the promise, right? But God is ready for them to take their next step. So Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord said, let's stop right there. What is the Lord saying to you in this moment? What has he been speaking to you for the last few months? It's not what, what do I want to do? Not, what do I think I should do? Not, what does the world want me to do? Not, what do people expect me to do? Not, what do my kids want me to do, right? What is the Lord saying to you? And I'm like, wow. This is half a verse in. This is already way better than when I was 16. Okay. (laughs) Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, we're starting out great. Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So everyone who went out was a leader of a tribe. Verse 17, when Moses sent them to explore the land, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled, fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile? Fertile? (laughs) Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was a season for the first ripe grapes. I don't know why that note was in there. I just, you know, thought it was fun that they talked about grapes in the Bible. Okay, so Moses, um, after this was like, okay guys, go suss out the land. Tell me what it's like. Looking up on Instagram, where are the best restaurants? Is there any coffee, coffee shops nearby? How close am I to a Target? Amen, right? Verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin, as far as these towns. They went up through the Negev, came to more towns. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. More grapes? Were they like Moses' favorite food? Anyways, two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs, a well-rounded diet. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes. More grapes, guys? Okay. 
I, no one laughed at that. That was very funny. The Bible just keeps talking about grapes. Why is no one talking about this? Okay, at the end of 40 days, 40 days, it's an important number, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh. There, they reported to them and to the whole assembly. They showed them the fruit. They showed them the grapes of the land. There, Moses gave this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. God was right. Here's the fruit. Here are the grapes. Okay. And if you're unfamiliar with why uh, it talks about how the land flowed with milk and honey, it's not a weird diet, okay? But um, people have been giving me a lot of flack. Uh, they've been real salty because I apparently, it's weird. I like drinking um, tall glasses of plain milk. Anyone? Oh, Thank you so much, right? My favorite way, this is so embarrassing, my favorite way actually to have a tall glass of milk is with a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli. <laughs> yes, I am, I am a grown woman, okay? Anyways, um, but yeah, so the land flowing with milk and honey, it actually signified God's promise. And so, like we said earlier, all the way back to Abraham, God had been promising this land. It was to show that it wasn't just going to be an okay land. This wasn't just like an an okay promise, right? God's promises are more than enough. They are overflowing. It was going to be abundant. It was going to be more than what they needed. Verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to whence you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. Verse 28, but I want to step into what you've called me to do, God, but I'm scared scared of what my friends will think, what my family will think. God, you told me to take that job, but it pays less. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. You told me to stay at that job, God, but I don't like it. I hate it. You told me not to date that person, not to hang around these friends, but those are the only friends that I have, right? You told me to go to this college, God, but I don't want <laughs> this water. Wow, I must sound really bad, guys. <laughs> wow, that was great. Okay, what do I set this? Is this fine? Beautiful. Okay, guys, okay. God, you told me to fill in the blank, but I'm scared. I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. You told me to, but point one, disobedience is a master negotiator. Verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. These were nine foot tall giants. Like literally, they were like two feet taller than most tall NBA players, okay? The Amalekites live there. The, the, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, the Canaanites, there's a lot of people who live there who are powerful. And then Verse 30, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But, another but, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people for they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. The land that they had just said was great and everything. Then they like went around and spread a bad report. How rude. Anyways, they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of great size. We saw this name I can't pronounce. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Why do you think people don't obey the voice of God? Number one, I think they're afraid. The Israelites were afraid. A lot of people um, maybe just don't know how good God is. Like, why would you trust a God that you don't know? Maybe um, they have a mental illness that makes it hard not to be anxious or afraid. Maybe fear runs in the family. You know, my mom was a worrier, and her mom was a worrier, and I'm a worrier, and everyone worries, right? Um, I think maybe people don't want to. I think uh, sometimes we struggle with pride. Sometimes we want to be self-reliant, self-made, right? Um, sometimes we desire things of the flesh more than we desire the things of God. Sometimes I think people just don't know that they're supposed to or that they can. They don't know that they can ask God about things like, 
how to spend my money, <laughs> about what car to buy, what house to buy, who to date, who not to date, where to go to school, my career, right? People just maybe don't know. Maybe they weren't taught. Like my husband actually grew up in church literally his entire, like as a newborn on, he's been in church his entire life. And hearing the voice of God was not actually a common topic. And so you could have been a Christian your whole life and just literally were never taught, right? Um, uh, number four, I think people a lot of times don't know how to. Maybe they know they're supposed to, right? But they've never tried it before. They don't know how. Maybe it hasn't been explained. Um, and if you don't know how to hear the voice of God, you can go back to our series in January. Go to our YouTube. Click on the live stream part. Uh, it was called Better Together. Um, go back. We talked a lot about hearing the voice of God. And number five, I think people just don't slow down long enough to hear the voice of God. Maybe they're not afraid. <laughs> they just haven't made room for him. A lot of times people will try to fit God into their life versus fitting their life around the Lord, around the things of God. So why do you not listen to the voice of God? Do you see a pattern? Do you, are you just crippled with fear? Is this maybe the first time that you ever heard that you can ask God for for? I say advice. It's more than advice, but you know what I mean. Is this the first time that you've heard about it? Why do you not listen to the voice of God? Should we look at more photos? We should look at more photos. I thought it'd be fun. We're going to look at more embarrassing photos. Anytime it gets a little too deep, I'm just going to, we're going to avoid our feelings together <laughs> by laughing. Okay, that's healthy, right? Okay, next photo, next photo. Oh, wow. That was a picture of me when I joined the creative team. Um, still, still there. How great. That other man, that other man, um, he was like 14 at the time. He looks like a man. Um, he's a lawyer now, so I hope he doesn't like sue me for showing his face. Oh, can we see the next one? Next photo. Oh, that's me getting baptized. Look at Pastor Darian's soul patch. <laughs> I love that. Okay, next one. Oh, <laughs> what am I doing? This is in the high school bathroom. I'm like trying to like, I don't know. I can't do that anymore. I'm not that flexible. Okay, okay, back, back to real life, back to numbers. Okay, Numbers 14, verse one. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, I'm just, I need to stop right there. When was the last time, there was an estimated of 2 million people there. When was the last time 2 million people agreed on anything? That's impressive. Can you imagine if they would have just followed the voice of the Lord? But anyways, okay. If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. These people are so dramatic. Okay. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Is that what God said? No, he didn't say he was going to let them fall. He didn't say he would let the enemy overtake them. He said, go take the land. I'll be with you. Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Point two, disobedience chooses me over he. That was a fun one-liner because it rhymed. Okay, nothing else rhymes the whole time. I just, I just had to point that out. Um, disobedience chooses my way over God's way. The Israelites didn't say, God told us to go back. They said, we decided, we chose, we know what's best. They chose what they thought they knew was best over what God knew was best. Right? They went to worst-case scenario they began to grumble and complain. They were like, well, we might die, so I'm scared. By God. <laughs> the Israelites said the land is good, but we don't think we can do it. So instead of listening to you, God, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Instead of trusting you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do, right? Even though being a slave in Egypt was bad, at least I was alive, Right? At least my, my family was safe. I, I, I know my family's going to be safe. And in, in this scenario, it might cost me a little too much, right? Disobedience chooses what I think is best, what my logic, my fear, my greatest hopes, my greatest desires, um, over what God says. And can you imagine how God must have felt? 
To the Israelites, he's probably saying, like, look at everything I've done for you. I took you out of slavery because I love you. Not because I want to let you die two seconds later. I did that for you because I love you. I gave you miracle after miracle every single day because of my love for you. I provided for you because I love you. I gave you manna, this really cool food where you can't find it anywhere else in the Bible. God literally invented it just for them so that they could have what they needed when they needed it day by day, and yet they still did not want to listen to to the Lord. And God's like, I gave you the honey butter chicken biscuit, and you still don't trust me? (laughs) Did you know that God gave us the Bible as our guide because he loves us, and he wants what's best for us, not because he wants to be mean? I'm going to repeat that. God gave us the Bible as our guide because he loves us, and he wants what's best for us. Not what's okay for us, what's best for us, not because he wants to be mean. Did you know that you have a heavenly father who is a good and a loving father? When you're hurting, he's also hurting. When you're disappointed, he sees you, he has compassion for you. When you want to do something in your own strength, he's saying, no, do it in mine. (laughs) You're not going to do it very well on your own. (laughs) And did you know that God will do for you what he did for them? So what you see in the Bible, those promises that are in there, God will do that for you. What he did for your friend, and you're like, God, why didn't you do that for me? God wants to do that for you too. He's not asking you to take that leap of faith because he wants to see you fall. Like, how rude would that be, (laughs) right? Like, no, he's asking you to take that leap of faith because he wants what's best for you. He wants what's on the other side for you. He wants to be your provider, your healer, your best friend, your comforter. So when God asks something of us, he's doing it with nothing but the most loving and the most pure intentions. He's not like a human father or mother. He's not like a human father or mother. He is not out to get you. He laid his only son down just for us. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. And this was a sign of mourning. They were like, they were the only two people who were upset that they weren't following the voice of God. And then they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. It's not just a little bit good. God's promises aren't just a little bit good. They're not just okay. They're not just mediocre. They're exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Verse 10, but, another but, how unfortunate. There's a lot of buts in this story. (laughs) The whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And I just want to let you know, anytime the glory of the Lord (laughs) appeared, it was either really, really good or really, really bad, okay? And so um, in this case, as you can guess, it wasn't very good. So essentially, I'm going to paraphrase the next few verses, um, but, oh, that was funny. I said, but, okay. Um, But, (laughs) um, so Moses and and God have this kind of dialogue, right? And so Moses uh, is talking to God, and he's like, you know, send help, SOS, please, okay? And then God was like, these people are kind of kind of being sucky. Am I allowed to say that? They're not listening. And then Moses is like, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, but God, can you please forgive them? Like we need, we need your mercy. We need your forgiveness. Um, he says, in accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people. And God replies, I have forgiven them. But verse 26, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing that I heard you say. God was like, you think you're going to die here? Bet. Verse 29. (laughs) In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, 
every one of you 20 years or, or more who is counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land that I swore, the land that God swore with an uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb and Joshua. And these are the only two people who had gone to explore the land and came back who did not grumble against the Lord. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them into the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in the wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness for 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. God drops the mic and walks out of the room, right? Um, uh, don't worry. Um, come back next week. I promise it'll be a little more encouraging. But since, since, uh, since it's not very encouraging right now, you want to look at more photos of me, embarrassing photos. Okay, let's look at a photo. Ready? Here we go. Uh, me at freshman prom. Oh, man. I wonder why that dress was on clearance, you know? It's beyond me. So, okay, next photo. Oh, wow. This was me doing an at-home photo shoot. I don't know. Was I supposed to be, like, a model or something? Like, who would hire me based off of that? Like, and my feet are showing. How weird. Okay, next photo. Next photo. Oh, that was me. <laughs> that was me. I was trying to make it look like I was uh, uh, grabbing, grabbing the vent, you know? It, I mean, to me, I, th I think it, you can see that the vent was in my hands, it wasn't on the ceiling, right? Um, not following the voice of God will always cost us more. <laughs> Sorry. I should have waited for that to fade. Okay, back to, we're being, we're serious now, okay? Not following the voice of God will always cost us more than following the voice of God will. So my mom, she's like this real saver lady, not a couponer, She's like an internet saver lady. I don't know if they have like an internet coupon or whatever that's called. So my mom, you can literally ask anyone who has ever interacted with her when it comes to purchasing anything. She will find somehow, I don't know how she does it. I'm like, do you have access to a different part of the internet than I do? Because that trade was not passed down to me. And I'm like kind of offended. Or honestly though, she might um, just, she probably has a lot of viruses on her computer for going to those weird websites. <laughs> you know, and getting all the coupon codes. But anyways, so my mom, she's, she's, she's a real saver lady, right? So she will find the same product, sometimes the same item, sometimes it's even a better, a newer version, faster shipping for a cheaper price. If it costs less and it's an even better option, why would we not choose that one? Growing up, I had always heard that the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And I, I literally, I thought that was God's plan all along. And did you know, that was not God's plan. God's plan, his original plan, well, his original plan was for Adam and Eve not to sin in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> but then they sinned. So his like second original plan, does that count as an original? I think if God did it, it does. Okay. His original plan for the Israelites was not for them to wander for 40 years in the wilderness, but for them to go into the promised land about a year after they left Egypt. Not 40 years, less than a year. The Israelites wandered not because it was God's plan, not because it was God's will for their life, but because they trusted their circumstances more than they trusted their God. And God will let us do it our way, he knows that he can't force us to trust him, but his way is easier. It takes less time. It takes less effort. God's way costs us less. And the fruit, the grapes, the grapes, the fruit of trusting God is actually getting what we wanted all along. If the Israelites would have just followed God's lead, they would have received the promised land. Their kids would have been safe. They would have gotten more than manna to eat. We had some like foodies in the Israelite community, you know. They would have had some, some real good food. Their families would have been safe. They would have gotten to build their dream home, right? They would have gotten what they wanted all along. So 
we can keep waiting to step into all God has for us. But until we do, we will not receive our promise. We can choose to remain stuck in our emotional unhealth, our anger issues, our pride. But until we lay that down at the feet of Jesus, we will not receive the promise. We can continue We can continue to put our kids above the Lord, but we will not have a happy family if we are not doing it the way that God intended for us to do it. We can continue to choose whatever career we want, whatever job we want, whatever college that we want that we think is best, but until we lay that down at the feet of Jesus and ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to do? we will not see the promises of God. We will not actually get what we are trying to get, what we wanted all along. We can. God is not going to force us. He does not want to force us to love him, to trust him. He's a good God, but it will cost us something. And some of us in here, we might be feeling like we're in a season of wondering, right? Because we didn't obey the voice of God. Um, some of us might honestly just feel like we're in a season of wondering because of the devil. <laughs> That's a real thing too. Maybe just an attack, right? Maybe we didn't not obey the voice of the Lord, but maybe there's just been an attack on our life. Um, that could be honestly most of us in the room for being, for being real. But I want you to know, God still loves you more than you will ever know, more than you could ever imagine. He loves you so much and he is still for you. God still wants what's best for you still, no matter how many times we mess up, how many times we say no, how many times we disobey, right? God still loves us. And if you don't know where to go from here, take some time this week. If you're like, man, I'm in this season of wondering, I don't know what to do. Well, take some time. When when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, Uh, when you're mowing, whatever that looks like, in the shower. You know, a lot of people have different schedules, right? Wherever you can find quiet team. If If you have to lock yourself in the bathroom and pretend it's just taking a while, you do it, okay? You find some quiet time this week and you talk to your Heavenly Father. It's God. The last thing you told me to do was, is this still your plan? God, you told me to to take this job and I didn't. God, what do you want me to do now? God, I want to return to you. God, you told me not to date this person and now I'm dating them. God, how do you want me to get out of this in the most loving way, but also in the most quick way possible? God, you told me not to go to this college, but God, I did. So what am I supposed to do now? How do, what What do you want me to do, Father? I lay my dreams I lay my plans, my greatest hopes and fears and desires at your feet. God, what is it that you want me to do? So you spend that time with him. This week, you find some quiet time and you just ask. That first step is just asking, God, what do you want me to do? Because if we're not asking, then we don't don't actually know. We're not being led by the voice of God. And um, if you don't know what the voice of God sounds like, for a lot of us, some people do get visions you know, that's really cool, right? God doesn't speak to me that way. I think for most of us in the room, it's actually just a, a still, small voice. It's, a, it's like a thought that feels just a little bit more pronounced. It's more of, a, more of a feeling than an audible voice. So you just, you talk to God sometime this week and you ask God, what is it that you want me to do next? And because of Jesus, we actually live under a new covenant the um, Israelites lived under what they called the Mosaic Covenant. And so they didn't have what we call grace. They just had mercy. So God could forgive them, but they still actually had to pay for their sin in, in a real way. But we live under um, a new covenant where Jesus actually paid the price for us. So not only do we not have to pay that price, but God will give us grace, which is more than we ever deserve. So mercy is just being forgiven, not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting more than what we deserve in a good way, right? Not in a bad way. And so we, we live under that covenant. And so because of Jesus, the seasons of wondering, the quote-unquote consequences for our actions are significantly less severe than what you just saw here. But if it costs less, I'm still going to choose that option. Verse 39, when Moses reported this, they would wander for 40 years. To all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. 
Early the next morning, they set out from the highest point in the hill country saying, now we are ready to go up to the land that the Lord has promised. Surely we have sinned. They're like, okay, now God, now I'm ready. Has anyone been there? You're like, okay, God, you, this wandering was kind of bad. Now I'm ready. Okay. Uh, where are we? Oh, right. Verse 41. But there are so many buts in this story. Okay, anyways. Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. And the Bible says that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But as you can see from this story, we can leave him. We can abandon his presence. You will be defeated by your enemies. From the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you. And you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption... They went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from camp. So Moses was their God-appointed leader, and this is actually their only way of communicating with God. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence. Wow, that was a sneeze. Uh, Okay, anyways, is that when you know you're... No, I won't say that. I can't say that. Okay, Um, anyways... Uh, Moses was their God-appointed leader, and so this is their only way of communicating with God. The Ark of the Covenant was actually God's presence, so that was his power, his protection, his provision. And so they were going to leave their only way of talking to God and God's presence just so they could get what they wanted, right? Still taking matters into their own hands. Then the Amalekites, verse 45, the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah going to be honest. I don't know where Hormer is, but it sounds pretty bad. And then the chapter ends, and I'm like, what a cliffhanger. And then after that, it goes into like a bunch of like laws about things, and the story doesn't pick up for like a few more chapters. And you're like, this is such a terrible cliffhanger, right? Point four, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Okay, should we look at more photos? We should. This is my last group, I promise. Okay, let's see a photo. <laughs> wow, you might be thinking, that was 15 years ago. Those glasses just, that just must have been the style. That was not. Those glasses were always ugly. That was never a cute photo. Why did I upload that to Facebook? Anyways, okay, next one. Oh, wow. That's uh, me with friends with sunglasses on. So, um, bet you can't tell which one's me. That's great. Okay, next photo. Next photo. Oh, uh, that's me on a school field trip with my yarn hat. Uh, sometimes I would wear that to school. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. I don't think I thought it was cool. I think I wanted to be weird. Who wants to be weird? Like, oh, someone in the back, they want to be weird. I don't have my glasses on. I can't see who you are. So talk to me after. Okay. Okay. That's the last of the photos, though. We're done avoiding our feelings by laughing, right? Verse 44. It says, in their presumption, it was not the voice of God. It was an assumption made by them. It was the Israelites trying to take matters into their own hands. Disobedience is a master negotiator. It chooses my way over God's way. Disobedience comes with a cost, and delayed obedience is still disobedience. But... We have some good news. And you're like, hallelujah, this is, there's a lot about disobedience in here. I need some, like, something uplifting, right? No, I wasn't just going to leave you there. Pastor Darian wouldn't let me back up here for 10 more years if I did that, you know? So, no. The Israelites, this generation, did not get to go into the promised land, but the next generation did. And you may have even noticed that Moses, who was the Israelites' leader, he was not one of the two people mentioned they would get to go into the promised land. And even at the end of his life, kind of sad, I was like, it's up from here. And then I'm like, this is kind of sad. Anyways, um, so uh, kind of sad, but at the end of his life, he was like, God, can I please go into the promised land? And God was like, no, I'm a man of my word, but I will take you to the highest mountain so that you can see the promised land before you pass. And so that was once again before Jesus. So even then, God, there is still a, redemp- a redemptive quality about the story. But... We live under a new covenant. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he paid our debts in full. And this means that the consequences for our actions will be a lot less severe. But what I can tell you is that when we are living in a habit of disobedience, God's promises take a lot longer to come to pass. That thing that you want so badly, there is a good chance that God wants it for you even more. When you want a new job, it's not usually so you can like get rich quick, right? Well, maybe some of you, but you're probably a young person. You haven't lived, you know, the real world. For most of you, you're like, I just want my family to be provided for, right? You don't actually care about the job. You just want your family to have enough. You want to be able to go on vacation once a year, right? Have fun together. Maybe you just want more time with your kids. Did you know that God wants that for you even more, even more than you want that for you? God wants your family to be healthy even more than you want that. He wants you to have life to the full even more than you want that for yourself. When you can't decide what college to go to, it's not actually about the college. You don't care about go pokes. Wait, go, is that how you do it? (laughs) Go pokes, there we go. You don't care about that. Clearly I'm not like a college football person, okay? It's not actually about that. It's about being proud of yourself, making your friends and family proud. You don't want to go into debt for no reason, right? That's what it's about. Did you know that God wants that for you even more than you want that for you? Do you know that God cares about your future more than you care about your future? That's the God that we serve. Whenever you want to make an investment, you want to start a business, you want to hire someone new, right? It's not actually because you care about, I don't know, crypto or whatever, you know? It's because you want to make your your family proud. You want to make yourself proud. You want to show that you're a hard worker. Did you know that God wants that for you even more? He wants all of the good things, not all of the good things, most of the good things that you want for yourself, God wants that for you even more. He wants you to be happy more than you want to be happy. He wants you to have a good family more than you want to have a good family. He wants you to have enough in the bank every single month to pay the bills more than you want that for yourself. So when you think, God, I don't trust you because I want this, just know that your heavenly father loves you. He is for you. And so whenever you lay down your life, you put your plans, your hopes, your dreams into his um into his will, when you lay that at his feet, when you surrender that to him, you will actually receive the promise that you wanted because he wants it more than you want it for yourself. In Isaiah 1 verse 19, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. When you are willing and obedient. Verse 20, but if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And notice it did not say that I will devour you. It says that you will be devoured by the sword, by the enemy, if you do not trust what I say, if you do not follow what I say. And so to close, I thought that I would tell a personal story. How fun, how exciting. (laughs) No one else thinks that's fun. Okay. So before I started working here um, at the church, I actually worked my first big girl job out of college. Uh, I worked for a small financial firm in Tulsa, um, doing some marketing stuff, and then I eventually did financial stuff, and it's a long story. Um, I hated my job. Like, I absolutely hated my job. Sometimes I would leave on my lunch break and go cry about how much I hated it, and then come back and pretend like I didn't hate it. Now, I love my bosses. (laughs) Some people can relate, okay? I love my bosses. They were, like, seriously, they were so amazing. Like, they got me a birthday cake on my birthday, and I, like, love birthdays, and I was like, oh my gosh, you love me more than anyone else loves me in the entire world, you know? Because just because you bought me a cake, I don't know. Anyways, okay, so I hated my job. So I started looking for new jobs, right? That's a normal thing. And so I start looking for new jobs. Um, I actually go to the second round on a couple of these jobs. I, so I had my first interview and they wanted me to go to the second round, right? And then in February of 2020, I get a text message from Pastor Taylor saying, hey, we need to talk. And I was like, jokingly responded, I'm like, hey, it better not be about a job because I'm actually going to the second round on a couple this week. And then he calls me 
it was about a job, guys, okay? It was about a job. He calls me, and long story short, um, the church wanted to start a college, which is really cool, right? The church wanted to start a college. They wanted to hire me. I, hadn't, I did not know about any job opportunities. They actually didn't post about any job opportunities, so I had no idea. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to find a different job. I had felt that, right? But these other jobs didn't feel right. And then Pastor Taylor, when he gives me that call, um, I was like, God, is this, is this from you? And can I tell you that I was terrified? I was afraid that I wouldn't like the job. Um, I had gone to a regular college, but I had never been to A, a ministry college, and I had never B, started a college, right? And so I wasn't qualified. I was afraid it wouldn't pay enough. Has anyone else been there, right? But God, God got us through it. I was afraid that I would fail. I was afraid that it would fail. But saying yes to that job is actually what helped me get ordained a week ago. It, <laughs> saying yes to that job is what gave me um, my dream job of working in ministry. This is something that I had wanted well, my entire life. Since I felt called to ministry as a teenager, ever since then I've been wanting to work for um, not just a church, but this church specifically. And I would have never thought that this was God's way of, of fulfilling that. Literally never. I would have never once chosen that for myself. But we got to move closer because my, um, we lived in Tulsa at the time because both of our jobs were there. So we got to move a little bit closer. Um, I got to see my husband more in the morning, in the evening because my drive was less. I found this cute old house that's not, uh, it's kind of falling apart, but you know most old houses are mostly falling apart, right? Okay, so I found this really beautiful, I had always dreamed of having an old home. Um, my, my marriage is amazing because of how much time that I get to spend in the Lord's presence, how much, because we get to serve the Lord together. It didn't pay as much as those other jobs, so it forced us to be better stewards of our finances. And we, over the past year, have been finally seeing the rewards, reaping the harvest from that. God is good. If I wouldn't have said yes to that, I would not have received any of the the promised land that God had for me. God is so good. If we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good things of the land. When we choose God's way, we're actually choosing what we wanted all along. We are choosing a better marriage. We are choosing kids who feel loved and protected by us. We are choosing the best job, even if it's not the best job on paper. We are choosing the best investment opportunity, choosing the best way to healing and recovery, the best way to true contentment and true peace. That restlessness that is inside of you will never go away unless you choose God's way. That restlessness inside of you, if you keep choosing your way, it will never go away. The only way to get rid of that is to choose God's way. You will not find what you're looking for out there. You'll not find it in here. Probably won't even find it in here, right? You will only find it in the word of God and what he is speaking to you each and every day. And I just want to take a moment, not my notes, but I just want to take a moment for the people who feel like maybe they've disobeyed, they haven't listened to the voice of God, and so now they feel like that's just kind of their lot in life is wandering in the wilderness. I want you to know God does not want you to feel shame. That is not from the Lord. That is from the enemy. God does not want you to feel ashamed. Jesus died for your sin. He paid the price for your sin once and for all. So it doesn't matter how many times you messed up. It doesn't matter in what way you messed up. It doesn't matter if it's the worst sin you could commit or not. God loves you and he is for you. And when you turn back to your heavenly father, he will turn around all of those things. You'll be so surprised at the amount of time it doesn't take for your life to look like what God wants it to look like. He is a God of restoration. He doesn't just make it okay. He completely restores it. Every account of healing in the Bible, God just didn't make them be able to, I don't know, I can kind of move my hand again, you know. 
He said, stretch out your hand and his entire hand was healed. There is a, a, a man who is possessed by a demon who is paralyzed and he couldn't speak. And you know what he could do? He could run around and he could speak again and he was in his own right mind. God is a restorative God. It is not just an okay promise. It is not just an okay life. It is a more than enough. So if you feel shame in here, don't feel shame. God loves you. And he laid down his son for you and he knew that you would mess up and he still did it. So it is time that we return back to our good and our loving and our faithful father. It is time that we are known for our faithfulness, not for our unfaithfulness. It is the willing and the obedient who will eat the good of the land. This generation of Israelites was known for their unfaithfulness, but I, I choose to be known for my faithfulness. What will you be known by? Will you be known for your unfaithfulness or will you be known for your faithfulness? Let's pray. God, that was just a lot of scripture. That was just a lot of words, a lot of points, Father. But God, we, we come to you and we recommit our lives to you. We return to our heavenly Father, our good Father. You are a good God. Father, we are... We are just so happy to be in the presence of a God who forgives every mistake that we have ever made. Father, I thank you that you are restoring things in our lives that we never thought could could be restored. Father, we recommit to say yes to you. It is the willing and the obedient. Father, we are not just obedient. We are willing. We want to do it your way. We don't want to do it our way anymore. We don't want to take matters into our own hands anymore, God. We want to do it your way and only your way. Father, we don't want the world to control us. We don't want our fear to control us. God, we want you and your word and your truth and what you say. That's what we want. That's what we want as our guiding light, Father. So right now, God, as if we have turned away from you, we turn our face back to you. We turn our face back to our good and our faithful and our loving and our forgiving Father. I don't want to be like the Israelites. I want to be like Joshua and Caleb who got to see the promised land. That's who I want to be like. I want to be known for my faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name, amen.